0: In our 2020 Christmas collection, if you remember back to 2020, um, uh, we collected at Christmas time, uh, took a collection for the One Fund. The One Fund is a fund that was created by churches here in the Twin Cities um, with the purpose of helping African American um, led churches in the Twin Cities to make a difference in their communities. Uh, for Christ uh, during the pandemic and, and, and during the, the social unrest. Our speaker today is uh, Jordan Bohr Nelson, and uh, Jordan and his wife, uh, Nisa, started Foundation Church, as hard as this might believe, uh, started their church, Foundation Church, in North Minneapolis during the summer of 2020. Um, during all of the different uh, pandemic and social conflict issues that were going on. Their church was able to receive a grant from the One Fund as their church launched. And so this morning, we've invited and are privileged to have uh, Jordan um, here to share with us from God's Word. Would you welcome Jordan to our pulpit this morning? Welcome, Jordan.
1: Amen. Amen. I think this wire's too short for me. I'm too tall. (laughs) All right. There we go. Let's see if that works. All right. Amen. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you all doing? There it is. There we go. All right. Yeah, this wire really is too short. (laughs) We'll make it work. Uh, But good morning. God bless you all. Um, It's a blessing to be here. Um, Pastor Joe, his wife Becky, the leadership team, thank you guys uh, for having me here just to share a little bit about um, our story, but then also just to bring you a word from the Lord, amen? Amen. All right, now, I know this is first service. Um, This isn't my first merry-go-round. I know sometimes first service, um, there's not as much excitement as there is at second service. Um, But if I get a little bit too excited, please just bear with me, Amen? amen? Amen. Um, so just to piggyback a little bit off of what Pastor Joel said, um, so we started our church, it was interesting, so um, we started actually an outreach called You Matter in 2016, my wife and I. Um, she coined the name hashtag You Matter. Um, and it started because we wanted to let homeless people, people living in the streets, people involved with gangs or drugs or whatever that, hey, you actually do matter. You know, and if you feel like you don't matter to anybody else, you do matter to Christ. So, and you matter to us. So that's kind of how everything started in 2016. So then we fast forward 2020. Um, The unrest happens, all of the craziness, um, you guys aren't that far from a lot of it, so I know you know a lot about it, so I won't get into any stories or anything, but I'm from Lake Street, Um, that's where I grew up, so that target was my target. Like, I remember going there as a little kid. So me and my wife, both being from South Minneapolis, said, wow, what are we gonna do? Well, because God had already blessed us for four years to have an outreach ministry, we were able to just mobilize and start a free grocery store right across the street from the third precinct. So that literally began our church. We didn't have a church service yet. We knew we were going to open a church soon, but we didn't have a location. We didn't have, basically, we didn't have anything, if I'm just honest. Um, we just knew God led us to open the church. We got approval and the go-ahead from our leadership um, and our overseers, Um, And they were like, yep, we think it's time, which the approval came before the sad situation with um, George Floyd and Officer Chauvin. Um, So we're just like, well, we'll just start giving stuff away for free out on Lake Street now that all of this is happening under the church name. So we did it. And then you fast forward a little bit more, we still don't have a building, and we get a phone call um, from a friend in And he's just like, hey, where are you guys having church at? We're like, well, we don't know. He's like, well, you can use our building maybe, but it takes a few months. So I don't even know if Joel knows this, but then we ended up starting our church in our garage. So now we're out here. Our first service was July 12th, 2020. So we're out here in 70, 80 degree weather, setting up chairs, setting up tents, um, and we're just... People are coming, but we're trying to manage who's coming because it's our home. So, we're like, we don't want just anybody coming to the house. But we're also opening our doors, like if you have a friend, bring them. So it was a really interesting and crazy situation, but it really leans towards the message that I want to speak today, um, which is faith has to be planted. Um, and the reason why it leans in that direction is because when we started our church, we literally started with just a hope and a prayer. We didn't start with um, funding. We didn't start with a bunch of people. It was me, my wife, a couple family members, and uh, two friends that we have. They're a married couple, Carl and Tasha. And that was it. (laughs) And it was like, let's go. But as soon as we push the button, like God is taking us here, let's do it, we get a phone call. Hey, what do you guys need for your church? We're like, well, I don't know. We need chairs, we need this. And the very next day, my friend, Um, who I used to work at an organization called Treehouse shows up with 40 new chairs, just like that. He's like, man, you said you needed 40 chairs. I said, yeah, but I didn't know you were going to buy them. (laughs) He's like, here they go. Brand new chairs from Costco. Then I had went and spent on my American Express card, almost four grand on on equipment, sound stuff, microphone. And my wife's like, are you sure? I'm like, we're just going to step out in faith you know, and believe that if God called us to do this, then we're going to believe that he's going to provide. So we step out on faith and I run my credit card bill up. And the very next week, I get a call from Andy Gray. Some of you may know Andy Gray. And I get a call from Andy Gray and he says, Hey, Jordan, there's this thing called the one fund. And the one fund is looking to distribute these dollars and blah, blah, blah. He says, be looking for a check for five grand coming in the mail. So I said, amen, God, I can pay that money back now. (laughs) And all of this was on faith. And even our outreach was on faith because I'm in Costco and I'm buying a bunch of stuff for our outreach on Lake Street because we did it for about two months. So we were still there when our church opened and I'm buying some stuff in like June in Costco before we opened the church and I run into a lady. She says, what are you guys doing? We said, well, we're bringing this to Lake Street to do this and that. And we connect with her, she starts bringing stuff, but then she says, hey, you guys are opening a church in your garage I saw on social media. We're like, yeah, my friend's an interior designer and she has all this new stuff she needs to get rid of. Um, Could you guys use it for your garage, church? We're like, sure, (laughs) let's have it. And the whole process was just us stepping out on faith and just believing that because we believed in what God said and what he called us to do, that he was going to make it work. So the sermon today is called Faith Has To Be Planted. And I'm going to be reading from the book of Matthew chapter 17, and I'm gonna be reading verses 14 through 23. Um, If you are able to stand, can I do it like we do in my church? If you are able to stand, do you mind standing for the reading of the word? Amen. Verse 14, Matthew chapter 17. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. After they gathered again in Galilee, Jesus told them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. And the disciples were filled with grief. Amen. You may now be seated. Now, I know I'm just going to get all of the pleasantries out of the way. I know that... I am a black guy. I know that I am speaking at the first evangelical church in Minneapolis um, in Black History Month on the last Sunday. And I know that this may not be the typical thing of every Sunday. I know that 100 years ago, this probably wouldn't have happened. But I also know that through the faith of the Christian community, a lot of mountains have been moved in directions that they need to move to, to where we're able to congregate and be more trusting and honest and and loving towards each other. So when I speak today about faith has to be planted, I know a lot of times that it's about the mustard seed when we read this scripture. Um, And I know that it's about, oh, if you have faith just as small as a mustard seed that, you know, God will move all of these mountains. But I also look at this scripture and I see a lot of other things. I see that the faith that we have that is small as a mustard seed has moved mountains that we couldn't physically see even within the body of Christ. It's been able to move mountains to have me standing here today. It's been able to move mountains through things like the One Fund. It's been able to move mountains through personal things in my life and I'm sure personal things in your life. I know that my faith has got me through a lot of the hardest times and the hardest struggles in my life because I just knew that no matter what I was feeling or what I was going through, that God was real. And no matter how I felt in a certain situation, I knew that God said, have faith in me and believe that I can see you through. So I said, I'm just going to have faith that you're going to see me through because I tell my church this all the time. I see the wall, God, and I'm going to run into it. But then God is just like, but I see the other side of the wall. So don't worry about that wall because I know what's on the other side. And even if you hit the wall, don't worry because I'll pick you up. So my faith, though, it has to be planted. So when I read this scripture, I, it's just a few years ago, it came to me, like, faith you know, faith, faith, oh, faith is the size of a mustard seed. But then it came to me, but even a mustard seed still has to be planted. So even my small little faith, that's as small as a mustard seed, it still has to be planted somewhere for the mustard seed to grow. And I started realizing, like, okay, God, so I have this faith in you and I believe in you, but then it's like, but now I need to be rooted and grounded in something in order for me to to continue this journey because I preached to my church this last week. Faith is my hardest journey. It's not my easiest journey. Me believing in God has maybe been one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life because I've lost friends. I've been made fun of by relatives. I've wanted to react the way people in the world would react to situations. And I've wanted to show my anger or my frustration or lash out or, and just do something I know I shouldn't do. But my faith kind of restrains me and it lets me know that who do you believe in? And who am I to you? So since I am that to you, you don't have to react away out of my flesh. Just believe in who I say that I am. There's been things that maybe some of us have wanted to do or I've wanted to do, but God, because of my faith in him, has led me to realize that you know what? Believe in me because I have a better way. I have a better path. I can show you the right things. And now I can use you. But my faith had to be planted and rooted and grounded in his word yet and I don't know about you but I know that when I read this scripture and we see that Jesus rebuked the demons and we see that they didn't understand why they couldn't cast them out and Jesus says you don't have enough faith and he's telling them if you had faith of a mustard seed and then there's just like wow a mustard seed in my mind it would be a mustard seed is really small but I had to realize what happens when my faith gets planted See, when your faith is planted, there's no more back and forth like the waves of the ocean. When your faith is planted, there's no more doubting in what God said or what God wants to do. When your faith is planted, there's just a belief that if God said it, then I have to believe it. But see, even mustard seed faith, as small as that can possibly be, if it isn't planted, it's hard to grow. And I'll just give you a personal journey of mine. I always like to use myself so people don't say, he singled me out. (laughs) A personal journey of mine is when I came to Christianity, I came to Christianity. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, I grew up, my mother was a Buddhist, um, and I never believed Buddha was real. I never believed that form of belief, and I always felt God calling me, and she would say, well, why don't you want to go here and do this and go to here and do that? And I would always say, well, because I know God is real, I just don't know where. She would say, well, there's no way God can be real, and she would give me all these reasons, and I would say, well, yes, he is, and I'm nine, ten years old telling my mom God is real. He's <laughs> like, oh, you're crazy. Oh, there's no way. Just listen to your mother, and I'm like, I want to, but not on this one. <laughs> And I I ended up believing God was real, but I ended up following other false gods. But those other false gods, because they weren't real, my faith could never be planted. I never felt any sort of realness or love. I never felt any sort of joy or happiness through these other different beliefs. And I just walked away and I said, this stuff isn't real. Like, it can't be, and I won't get into the different places I looked and the different things I researched, and I didn't believe in all of them, but I researched some of them, and I just said, there has to be a God, but where? So then one day, I'm sitting, and I said, I'm going to try Jesus out. I opened my Bible and I start in the book of Matthew because I called my grandmother, um, and I said, Grandma, where should I start in my Bible? And she's all excited. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> starting, starting the New Testament. I'm like, New Testament, what is that? Like, I, just, I just start in the beginning of the book, right? She's like, no, 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 just trust me. Start in the book of Matthew. I'm like, all right. And um, I start in the book of Matthew, and I read the book of Matthew from beginning to end. And when I read the book of Matthew from beginning to end, this feeling of love and joy and peace and freedom overwhelms the inside of me. And I'm reading this book and I'm like, wow, this is real. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't, I didn't, I don't even know who half of these names are. But I knew when I read the book of Matthew that there was something in this word that I was being called to. And that day forward, I started going out. It was like I became an evangelist before knowing what evangelist meant. Literally, I read the book of Matthew and started telling my friends about this story, about this guy named Jesus. I started telling all these other people, and people are laughing at me. And they're like, dude, you don't... And I'm like, you never heard this story before? And all of them are laughing because they had grown up in church. They had heard about Jesus. They had knew who Jesus was. They had known what he did. But for me, I'm an evangelist not knowing I'm evangelizing right now. I'm just telling people about this amazing story that I just read that literally changed my life. And I read verses or chapters 1 through 28 in Matthew in one sitting. I mean, outside of going to the bathroom and whatnot. <laughs> and I just ran through it. And it was just this amazing thing. And I knew, I said, okay, God is here. But then it becomes how? How do I increase my relationship? I had no idea, but I knew if he was here, I had to keep reading this book. I had no idea what other books to read. I didn't even know who to talk to. But I knew I had, it was in this book. The next 18 months, the only book I read was the Bible. And I never understood it until years later. I'm 34 now, so this is when I was 19 years old. I never understood it until later, but God had to make my faith planted firm in believing in him and knowing his word and what he says before he could even use me to do anything. So just like Jesus's disciples here, they weren't fully prepared to be able to do some of the things that people were asking them to do. But even though they weren't fully prepared, Jesus eventually got them there, didn't he? Because the same thing that they couldn't do in Matthew, they were able to do in the book of Acts the same thing in the book of Acts they were able to then cast demons out Peter was able to go to Cornelius's house and believe that people who were not Jewish believe that these people could actually be Christians they were able to do the same things later on I like that there you go that's right they were able to do the same thing later on in life but it just took a while for their faith to be planted they just had to believe and learn and grow a little bit more we're dealt a measure of faith but even in that measure of faith we have to still planted in the soil somewhere just like the plant that's up there you can hold a seed in your hand all day and it won't do anything it'll just sit but if you put the seed in the soil and you water it and you take care of it it will start to grow but our faith must be planted And when I think of the faith as small as a mustard seed, I say, God, I have faith as small as a mustard seed. Thank you for planting it. Thank you for letting me find a good soil to put it in. And in his word, this is the soil. Your faith has to be planted. I tell people this. I believe this is the only book I need. I read other books. I have a library at home, but you give me this book and I'm okay because this book teaches me what I need to know about my faith. This book helps me to stay rooted and grounded in what I believe in, no matter what else I read, because even the books I read from Christian authors and pastors, they still go back to this book. What they write, they still base off of this book. The movies are still based off of this book. Everything goes back to this book. And they said, Lord, why can't we cast it out? And he said, because you just don't have enough faith yet. But guess what? It's coming it's coming. John twenty two twenty. what did Jesus do? He breathed his spirit into them. He was preparing them for wherever it was they were going to be going. So, and, and I know I'm, it's Black History Month. I'm black. This is Outreach Sunday. I should be preaching about church reconciliation. But no, we can't reconcile if we don't have faith that we can reconcile. We can't reconcile if we don't if we're not able to see people the way that God sees them and the only way we can do that is through faith. Reconciliation doesn't come through conversations and conferences and gatherings. It co- it comes because I see Joel as a man of God. I see him as a servant. I see Joel as just this guy who God sees with love. I see the heart that he has. So I say, God, let me see what you see. Hear what you hear. Let me love with your heart. Because I can't reconcile with my brother We can't cross cultures and bridges and racial divides if I can't see you how God sees you. If I can only see you through what I've been taught or how I've been trained, then I'm never going to be able to fully reconcile because God doesn't see me how I've been taught and how I've been trained. He doesn't see you for you to see me the way you've been taught and you've been trained. We have a faith in a God that says that we have to love each other. We have to be there for each other. We have to mourn when one of our brothers and sisters mourns. We have to have joy when they have joy. God says everything else that we, all these parameters and all these other dogmas that we have, they're good and they're necessary and they're needed. But sometimes you got to be able to just have a faith in me that I'm present in the situation. And I've done this many times. And I was so glad when Joel didn't say, hey, can you bring a message about reconciliation? Because sometimes talking about it doesn't do anything, but living it is the real work. And the only way to live it is to have faith. The only way to live it is to believe that even though there are these mountains in our way, And these mountains have taken over even though all that has happened it's to believe that god can move all of those mountains and the only way we'll ever live it is if we now take the faith that we have and plant it in the good soil who's a farmer or has a grandpa or somebody who was a farmer or a dad or whatever, you know what I'm talking about, especially, you know, to some of our older members here. Um my grandma, she was born in 1927. And um my family lineage on oh, my mother's side, so my mother's Caucasian, my dad's African American, and my grandma, my mom's side, they're from Ireland. And my and, and they were um they were um potato farmers. So she's like you whoever's Ireland, you know, like, oh yeah. <laughs> But, so they came to America, her parents, my grandma's parents, my great-grandparents, and they came to America, and they were in Nebraska, and they were farmers. And then my granddad, they moved to Minnesota, and he becomes a farmer. He has, you know, acres before he became an insurance man. I love him, but he sold insurance. (laughs) But no, that's a joke, that's a joke. (laughs) But um, he ended up continuing the tradition of farming, though, through his apple orchard. So they bought a house in Watertown, and... I think he had like 10 or 12 acres, and he had like 250 apple trees. And we would always go out there as kids to go play with the apple trees. And we would, you know, we'd pick the apples, try to find the ones without the worms in them, you know, all of that. Because he was that old school farmer. He didn't believe in all of those sprays and chemicals. Like, you just let it grow, and then whatever's good is good, whatever's not is not good. And grandma's gonna make jam out of what's left. <laughs> so, and he would always teach us, though, about the seed about how in order for him to have that many trees and if he wanted to plant more, he had to plant and treat the seed properly. We never understood, while we were younger, why he would hop on his tractor and he would ride us in the wagon in the back, but he would go out there every morning and he would tend to these trees. And every morning he would tend to these trees, but now that I'm older, I think about it. He was tending to these trees which were now, you know, nine, 10 feet tall, with apples sprouting off of them. But he had been tending to these trees since the seed was originally planted. And I always use that in thinking about my faith. God has been tending to me this tree since I had my faith, and then it got planted. So it doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter if I'm 90. It doesn't matter if I'm 20. God tends to me throughout the whole course of my time being here. He's up and he's taking care. He's pruning and he's doing everything that needs to be done to make sure that this faith that has been planted in me can operate every day. And I've learned that my faith that's operating, it's not operating for myself. It's operating for his glory. My faith that is operating, it's not operating because I wanted to operate some days. Some days I don't want to operate it and I'm tired. Who's been there? And I just want to sit down and take a me day. And then I, and then I get a phone call or I get a message and it happened last night. Me and my wife, we were out, um, we were at this event and um, my wife's like, let's dance. I'm like, all let right, right, let's, let's go dance. And then this guy who goes to our church, he was there, and he comes up, and he just just starts crying, and he starts telling me this real personal information about himself. And and I know my wife's over here. Like, I want to dance. And I have to be honest, in that moment, I didn't want to operate. But I'm like, this guy is pouring his heart out and his mental health and what he's been dealing with through losing people and so on and so forth. My wife being so gracious, she lets us talk, but where I'm going is there are times where our faith that's planted, we don't want to operate or use it, but God calls us to do it. So where does that take us? God, you're calling me to operate, to do this, to, to speak, to, 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 to be a vessel for the kingdom of God but I just don't want to. Or you're calling me to be a vessel. You're calling me to reach out to other people and to other places. You're calling me to talk about Jesus to somebody at work, but I'm afraid that I might get in trouble. You're calling me, the kids, you're calling me to talk about Jesus in school, but I'm afraid I might get in trouble. But sometimes because our faith is planted, that's exactly what we need to do because planted faith doesn't go back and forth like the waves of the ocean. And before I end, I'm gonna ask you this. Why are you free? So, I just started at Damascus Way. It's a Christian halfway house through Transform Minnesota. And um, I think some of you have heard of it. Um, And they do this devotional thing there that's really awesome, where once a week, Josiah sends out this devotional for everybody, and he picks the theme for the month. And one of his things this week was, why are you free? This is what he says. He says, we are free from in order to be free for. What exactly has God set you free from? And what is the spirit calling you to be free for? So we are free from in order to be free for. So then my question to you all is, what have you been set free from? And what is it for? Why do you have the faith that you have? Because your faith sets you free. You became a new creation in Jesus Christ. The Bible says now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Right in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 3, verse 17. It says that he now gives us a liberty and a freedom. So you've been set, f- I don't care who you are, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care where you come from. All of us had to be set free from something. I don't care how smug you may look at me, how you may disagree with me. But the truth is, because it's the God's honest truth, we've all been set free from something. What are you set free from? Was it alcohol? Was it drugs? Was it anger? Was it adultery? What have you been set free from? I know this isn't typical. I know. I should be talking about something else. But listen, what are you set free from? God doesn't set us free just to put us on the shelf. He sets us free so we can take that freedom and then be used to set other people free. So what are you set free from? What we are free from in order to be free for. So you're free to be free for something. And what is it? Is it reconciliation? Is it children's ministry? Is it just talking about God at work? What are you set? Is it going back to the AA classes that you were in for 12 years and now you're 17 years sober and now you're helping to set guys free from alcoholism or ladies free from alcoholism? Maybe somebody used to have too many parties back in the day and had too many partners. And maybe God wants to use you because you're free from that to be able to work with other girls who are in college or high school. I don't know, but I know this. God didn't set you free just for you to sit on the shelf. He set you free because now we have to pick up the cross and we bury it and we go and do the work. And our faith has to be planted to be able to do that. So the mustard seed that you had now that is planted and for some of us is grown, just like those apple trees that provided us food. What are we providing? What are we providing? And the last thing I'll say is this. I'm at my time. Can your faith stay planted in the worst of times? So the last thing I'll say is verses 22 and 23, and I'll be fast, I promise. Verses 22 and 23. Now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Why is that important? After Jesus tells them faith is the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain, he then tells them with that little bit of faith that can move a mountain, he then tells them, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to rise, but I am going to die. And if you know the history of that statement and then what happened when he died, they scattered. So he, t- he told them he's going to die. Then he really did die. <laughs> and They forgot he was supposed to die, and they scattered. Can your faith stay planted in the worst times? Imagine walking with Jesus. Some say 36 months, some say they were only with him for the last 18 months of his ministry. I don't get into that debate. But just imagine walking with Jesus for any amount of time and then you watch him die this horrible death and now this guy that you've been believing in to be the savior, who are you? Who are you? You're Christ, the son of the living God that's who I say you are, good, because everybody else says he's somebody else. And imagine this, you know he's the Christ. You know who he's supposed to be. Now he's dead, and they scatter. He came back and got him. But the question is, can your faith stay planted in the worst of times? And I'll end with this. 2020 was one of the worst of times in Minneapolis. We've never seen that much destruction anything but thank God for the church because the church stayed planted in the worst of times the church did more in the community than I think it's done in a long time because we were in the worst of times that's an example of our faith in us being planted God bless you this is going to be weird for some of you I love you even though you don't know me because we're brothers and sisters in Christ Thank you.